So good to see all our kids coming back to church and their families, and so good to see all of you. Um, before we uh, start the sermon today, I just want to thank you for all the ways that you've reached out to me and Hillary and our family uh, following the death of my mother. Uh, so many of you came down for the visitation and for the funeral, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, Last week, when I stood up before you and said that's what Mama would want me to do, would be to preach, uh, I realize now that I was running on adrenaline, and t today I'm running on exhaustion. So I probably should have gotten uh, Reverend Martha or Reverend Jim to preach for me today, but uh, uh, we'll get through it and just trust that, that God's grace is sufficient and that uh, there's a word for you here even in my weariness today. Uh, we're in the book of Ephesians today, and we're going to be here for the next several weeks. We're just kind of going to kind of walk through the book together. And uh, Ephesians is not an easy book to preach on. Uh, it's not even an easy book to teach on. I mean, the scripture that you heard read for you today is actually one sentence in the Greek. Just one long sentence. And even though somebody has come along and put commas and periods and stuff like that in it to try to help it make it more readable to us, it's still a mouthful to digest when you heard that scripture being read a little while ago. And so, uh, it's probably a scripture that is incapable of being exhausted in a sermon. And so I hope that you'll spend some time uh, in the book of Ephesians uh, throughout the course of the next week uh, because there's so many things to mine there for uh, some of God's great truths. So today the text is this passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And the title, because I had to come up with one, was Destined for Adoption. Destined for Adoption. As I was thinking about how to begin the sermon today, I had a question that came to my mind, and that is, uh, and this is a rhetorical question. By all means, I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't want you to call out because I really don't want you to get in trouble with anybody. But the question is this. If you think about all the people in your family, are there some people in your family that you wish was in somebody else's family? I mean... Are there some people in your family that you love to see coming, but there's some people you love to see going? Does anybody in your family like that? Don't Hey, now some of you are already looking at the person next to you, and I am not providing pastoral care to you because you did not follow instructions. I said, don't, this is rhetorical, don't look around, don't make, but, but there are people in our families that we would just as soon not be in our family tree. I think that is true for a lot of people. If you think about it long enough, you've got that, uh, that bossy brother or that sarcastic sister or that um, pressuring parent or, or you've got somebody in your life that, that, that you just say, oh my Lord, if I could change anything, I would put them right over here in this family and outside of mine. I, I, I suspect that you could probably come to mind somebody somewhere in your family tree that, that fits that description. And, and I was thinking about that this morning because of what 
uh, Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. Now, I have to be honest with you. It is disputed in scholarly circles as to whether or not Paul himself actually wrote the book of Ephesians. Uh, because the way that it is worded, the way he describes things, appears to be different than in some of the other letters of Paul that we have that all seem to be more closely aligned. But even if Paul didn't write the book of Ephesians, we believe that somebody who was close to Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Somebody that understood his theology, that was probably there for his ministry in some sense. But, but the reason why I was thinking about that stuff about family members and how some of us have family that maybe we wouldn't want to claim is because of what Paul says about God as it relates to people in God's family. Because it says here in the first chapter of Ephesians that it is God's desire for all of us to be a part of God's family. Now, if you and I were setting up the family tree, we would decide, nope, this person's not in, this person is. But when God is setting up God's family tree, according to Paul, Paul wants Ev God wants everybody to be a part of that family. So he's doing this even before they've had a chance to uh, demonstrate whether or not they should be in the family too. That's the thing. You know, you and I have spent enough time with some of our family members. We know when they're fun and when they're not. We know that when they're good and when they're not. We know when they bring us joy and when they bring us joy only when they leave. But, but Paul is talking about God chose for all of us to be a part of his family even before we had a chance to, to have any sort of impact on the situation. Paul says that we were chosen to be a part of God's family before the foundations of the world. And so God didn't wait to see whether we were fun or not. God didn't wait to see whether we were obedient or not. God didn't wait to see whether we were faithful or not. God didn't wait to see if we were good looking or not. God chose us to be a part of God's family before the foundation of the world. And why did God do it? Paul says that God did it because of God's great love for us. Now, one of the ways that you and I might better understand this love that God has as a parent to us is for us to think about being parents ourselves. You know, people who are preparing to be parents are already loving their children before they even meet the children, right? I mean, do you think that... that um, people who are adopting children, that, that, that they don't start loving that child until they actually sign the adoption papers? Do you think that's the way that works? Or do you think that maybe they loved that child long before they ever had those papers placed in front of them to sign and to make it official? And what about foster parents? Do you think that people who are foster parents, that they wait until like, two weeks into fostering to decide whether or not they're going to love the child? Or was it love that led those parents to decide to enter into a fostering relationship with children anyway? 
Or what about people that are having biological children of their own? Do you think that they wait until they hear the cry in the delivery room to decide that they're love or going to love that child? Or do you think that that love has been welling up in those parents long before they ever met the child that arrives in the delivery room one day? Well, I think it's because of love that we are able to love children that we haven't even met. It's because of love that parents get together and they paint the bedroom. It's because of love that parents risk killing one another, trying to put together a crib or furniture for the new baby's room. It's because of love that, that uh, parents have children knowing that they're, all they're going to do is just drain their wallets all the time, whether it's music lessons or summer camp or prom dresses or any other number of expenses along the way. It's because of love that parents are willing to do that. It's because of love that people are willing to bring a child into their home or bring a child into their life despite all of the sleepless nights that they know they're going to have because the, the child is uh, teething or even later when the child is teening and you don't know where they are and it's like after midnight. It's because of love that you're willing to do that uh, thing. It's because of love that you're willing to... Um, Bring children into your home or into your life even though you know that one day they're going to say like, look, I don't want anybody to know that you're my parent. So would you please let me off a block away from the school so that I can walk in and that nobody sees that I came from the two of you. It's because of love that you would do that even though you know one day your teenager is going to feel that way about you. So thinking about that, that how we are able to love children that we bring into our homes or bring into our lives before we've even met those children, before they've even done or said anything that, that might make us reevaluate that decision to love, it's because of love that we do those things. Well, that's what's happening in the Scripture. God wants all of us to be a part of God's family, and it is based entirely on God's love for us. And, and, and God decided to love us before we ever did anything that might impact that decision to love. And God says that because we are loved, we have been adopted into God's family. And Paul says that when you've been adopted into God's family, in essence what that means is that you're going to be blessed. And you're going to be blessed in, in the same way that you are going to be blessed in heaven. He talks about the spiritual blessings that we have as adopted children of God are from the heavenly places. And so essentially what I think Paul is saying there is that while we will fully understand and comprehend that love once we get to heaven, that every blessing that God has for us in heaven is already being made known to us here on earth. It might be incomplete to us. We might not be able to grasp it and understand it and comprehend it on this side of eternity. But God held nothing back to demonstrate the great love that God has for us. Every bit of that love and every bit of that power that comes from heaven has come to earth 
so that we might experience it. God gives us these opportunities on this side of eternity that are what we're going to enjoy in a more full, a fuller way in heaven. God's presence, God's peace, God's provision, God's power, all of those things, Paul says, are available to us here and now. And then Paul wants to address the question, what is the purpose of us being adopted into God's family? What is the reason why we're receiving this great, great love of God here on earth as it will be in heaven? And Paul says it's so that you and I might live holy and blameless lives. Now, what Paul is saying there is not that once you accept this love, once you've been adopted into God's family, that all of a sudden you no longer sin. All of a sudden you don't have anything to worry about in terms of uh, falling short of the glory of God. No, that's exactly what Paul would say elsewhere in the book of Romans, that all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. But because God... Love is so great that God sent every bit of love that God possesses there in heaven down to us in earth. God was willing to send God's Son, Jesus, as the supreme expression of God's love. And one of the ways that Jesus demonstrated that love is that He was willing to die on the cross. He was willing to take our sin upon Himself so that we would be held blameless for our sin because Jesus took all of that blame upon Himself. God was willing to make us holy, to set us apart, to make us different because of God's great love for us so that we could be holy and blameless. We have forgiveness, Paul says, because of the riches of God's grace. It is given to us even when we don't deserve it. We don't have to earn it. It is God's freely given gift to us. And it's given to us because of God's great love. We've all heard stories like that. We're like, well, that sounds too good to be true, right? What's the catch? I mean, what's the, what are you about to tell? What's the but? And, and here's the only catch to God's great love. God just wants you to accept it. God just wants you to believe it. That's the only catch. The love that God has for you, your place in God's family has already been determined and established before the foundation of the world. The only thing that God asks of you and me is that we would just say yes to it. That we would just accept it. That we would just believe it. And when we receive that love and when we accept that love and when we believe that love, it only changes our lives in amazing and transformational and powerful ways. All of 1 Ephesians, this first chapter, many scholars believe is a liturgical hymn that was used not just for the church at Ephesus, but for lots of the churches that Paul championed and started and supported in his earthly ministry. And, and basically, these hymns were sung because people became aware of just how great God's love was for them. And it changed them so much that they just wanted to give God glory 
and praise for that love. And that's what God desires for us today. To just ponder how great is God's love. To accept it. To believe it. And to respond to it by giving praise and glory to God. It's our destiny. It's why God adopted us. Because God wanted us to feel the love of a parent that we want in our family tree and that wants us in that family tree.